right, this week, let's start with someone who's had a lot more exciting of a week than the Avs had. That was Wes McCauley with the uh, penalty call of the year so far. I'm skipping the intro this week because we're kind of doing the show late and by the seat of our collective pants. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Alistair, locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for February 13th, 2017. Coming up on the show, we have Rocco's Modern Fight, and it's been a rough week in the calm before the trade deadline storm, and we have some things to say about it. Uh, who's we? Well, I'm glad you asked. This one is Earl. Hey, Earl. Hola, amigos. And that one is Ryan. Hello to Ryan. Hola. On Tuesday, Avs win their second straight four to nothing over the Montreal Canadiens. Miko Rantanen scored almost immediately before uh, completing a hat trick later, which is his first in the NHL. And Andreas Martinson added the other tally. Pickard stopped 27 of 27. And as we noticed before the show, that happened this week. And yeah. everyone kind of forgot that that was this week. Um, that's that's February for you. The Colorado play basically every other day. Uh, then on Thursday, Avs fall 4-1 to uh, a clearly superior Pittsburgh Penguins. Gabe Landeskog with your shutout ruiner on the power play late in the third. Pickard stopped 26 of 29, and the fourth was into an empty net. Now we're on the road through next weekend, starting on Saturday with Colorado blowing another third-period lead to lose 4-2 to the Rangers. Landeskog and John Mitchell actually responsible for the two. Uh, Pickard stopped 26 of 29, and the fourth was into an empty net. This is not a repeat. Finally, on Sunday, the Avs go back to back to Brooklyn versus the Islanders, where they lose a laugher 5 1. Joel Colborne, your lone goal scorer on a breakaway, somehow. But otherwise, JF Brube made a ton of high quality saves on great Avs chances, and Pickard, on the other hand, stopped 28 of 33. Um, so it was a week that got off to a good start. Had a two-game winning streak, which I am not on team two games as a streak. This year. <laughs> it's all relative. Uh, when you haven't won three in a row, two's a streak. Right. I guess. <laughs> you know, plus, uh, being up 4 nothing seems like it's about three games for the Avalanche. Scoring wise, so yeah, seriously, yeah. They, they scored four goals on Tuesday, and then four goals on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So you're right. Yeah. And arguably, that that was against the best goalie of the four. <laughs> Although Carey Price has had himself uh, yeah. one hell of a week, has he not? Yeah. Not just week. Um, apparently, he hasn't had a month over 900 since November. Is what I've heard. Whoa. He got off to a, just the hottest start imaginable in southern Montreal, and since then has just been quietly not very good. You guys obviously saw the goal he allowed against, I think, Arizona, where he's not even like looking at the play. Yeah, that he, was like hilarious. had lost the puck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never seen anything quite like that. <clears throat> Y'all saw the goal he allowed to Andreas Martinson. <laughs> Right. There's a giggly little floater through his legs. Like, give me a break. Yeah, he's uh, had a bad go of it. So have the Canadians, really. I mean, after a hot start, they're, like, kind of very mediocre these days. Yeah, they're, they're only leading their division, but their division's also not the best. Yeah. That, that is true. Second in their division is the Ottawa Senators. I mean, there's a, there's a clue. You should be looking to add at the deadline, 
Give us all your prospects. All of them. Well, Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland and Neil Shea were all at the Habs-Bruins game tonight. I'd go to a Habs-Bruins <sighs> game, too, if I could just fly over there whenever I wanted. Sure. Charge it to a work card. Oh, it gets better. Mm-hmm. They're going to the bean pot tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. So. Does Colorado have anybody playing in the bean pot? No, uh, not now. <laughs> <laughs> They could, though. Um, it, I mean, there's a lot of reasons you could. I mean, you know, if 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 if, if they end up trading for someone who's playing in it, it's the final is going to be uh, BU and Harvard. There's there's some, you know, good players there, uh, but they they could also be scouting like uh, a free agent that's not signed or someone that's going rogue or they, they could be just scouting a uh, prospect <laughs> year's draft. <laughs> Or just trying to avoid watching the avalanche entirely. <laughs> Oops, I mean, uh, we're uh, going on a work trip. <laughs> you, you guys watch that game. Yeah. I, I just like the idea of a prospect going rogue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think I'm going to develop my, my, my hockey game? Well, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm going to eat a sandwich. <laughs> MIA. Well, who who's the rumor this week? Who's the uh, Winnipeg prospect? It's on North yeah, Dakota. He's a he's a defenseman out of uh, North Dakota, and I can't remember his name, but um, he looked semi exciting. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> you know, when you, when you when you haven't got much, everything looks pretty good. But uh, <laughs> you know, just the fact that they could attract someone to come to the organization when it's in this state and, and they haven't been able to get those college free agents uh, at any point so far, um, you know, even signing a minor guy like that would be pretty nice. You know, I remember talking about this last year and we were kind of wondering if this would become more of a trend because it really hasn't been as pervasive as it probably could be, you know, college players just choosing not to sign, you know, at the end of their stint. Yeah. So, I mean, it hasn't been a lot of buzz this year. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the first one I've heard of. Well, I mean, you know, you have to be wanted, you know, or there there has to be. I don't know why this fellow doesn't want to sign with Winnipeg. I mean, maybe he just doesn't like the weather or whatever. But who does? It can't be that different from North Dakota. So, hmm. um, well, we're seeing the weather in Colorado. You know, sunny, uh, sixty-eight degrees, or gosh, it was eighty in Denver this weekend on Saturday. Yeah. 75 here today. It was lovely. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was some degrees. good free agent weather. It was 100 degrees yesterday in Megan, Oklahoma. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it was 99. Oh, How do you get that? There's no down slope to have, or there's no slope to go down in Oklahoma, is there? No. Nope. Well, the, the whole state kind of goes downhill from northwest to southeast, but that's not related to the avalanche at all. <laughs> I mean, like, usually you get downslope from, like, 14,000 to Denver where it eats mm. up really quick. Talking about some meteorology I don't know about, Earl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you live at, if you live at a ski resort for 10 years, you kind of get to know meteorology pretty well. well it's kind of like right. how people who live here know what, know what tornadoes do. Um, <laughs> so, anyway... I thought it was interesting that we have a little bit of evidence that the uh, Avalanche front office listened to our show. As uh, earlier this week, Jeremy Smith 
swapped out uh, Spencer Martin for the backup spot. Yeah, and sort of something behind that, um, Smith has actually been playing better than Martin for most of the last month. So there's that. Okay. And Martin didn't look good going back down, did he? Not on the first night, no. And that's, that's pretty normal, isn't it? It is. And actually, Dan Weiss, the, the play-by-play guy for the Rampage, asked uh, Eric Veyu about it. He was like, you know, is Spencer the kind of goalie that, that really needs a lot of work to to be effective? And, you know, Veyu kind of dodged the question, but I think we all know that's, that's the case. Because Friday night, and this is the second time this has happened in the past month, um, Martin was just awful and got yanked a minute into the second period. <clears throat> but he was decent today. He let in one bad, soft goal today. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he's 21 years old. I mean, you need to get him a lot of starts, whether that's, you know, in the AHL or in the NHL. I don't think NHL is, is where he needs to be getting a lot of starts now. So where he needs to be is in San Antonio playing a lot. Yep, I think that was the general consensus last week. I mean, yeah. He's doing the avalanche no good sitting on the bench. So we are glad you tuned in, guys, and listened to us. He did our advice, and uh, we look forward to Martin playing more often in San Antonio throughout the year. That said, I think the time he did spend in Colorado was good for him. Even though, oh, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, even though it cost him a little bit going back down there, he'll bounce back from that. They're, the Rampage are playing a lot in the next couple of weeks, so... Um, mm-hmm. You know, he'll get back in the groove and he'll be fine. But, um, you know, I think it's very important for prospects to come up and get a little taste of the NHL and, and just sort of see like, wow, that's uh, woo, that's really uh, really tough up there. I really need to step up my game and, and learn some more things and, and work on everything down at the AHL level. And the next time they go back up, they're going to be better prepared. And it also, I mean, as as we mentioned in our justification last week for our argument, I mean, it gives them a, a taste of not just, oh, look, that's really fast, but also, like, here's what I really need to work on to improve to be ready for the next time I go up. Yeah. Um, Which, with any so, luck, it won't be this season for Spencer Martin. He was pretty obviously not ready for that kind of job. But who knows? I think, he, I, I think if properly managed, I think he could come up and say March – and, you know, if, if if there's a situation where the Avs have, you know, double back-to-backs kind of like what they have now, and I'm sure they have this because I think they're playing, I think they have like 29 games in 58 days or something like that coming up. So they, they play a lot of back-to-backs and, and whatnot. So if he can come up and just stay for a few days but get a couple of games in, um. You know, I, I think that might not be bad. You know, I think that's that's what what he can take as far as learning. Um, you know how he was kind of a, a little bit out of his league. Take that down to the AHL, work on it, come back up in March, see how it's improved, go back down after that, and you know finish out the season. Well, right. The Avalanche need uh, a clearer look of what they're going to need to do in goal next year because something needs to change or improve. And I am sure he is one of the internal options they will be considering for goalie next year. 
Um, I mean, I just can't see them wanting him to be the backup next year. Right. I think a number one priority for him next year, as well as this year, is to play a lot. I think, I think their priority should be, you know, get Spencer 50 games in the AHL next year. You know, next bar, year. Yeah, ha- barring having to come up and, you know, be the third guy. Because hmm. <clears throat> I, I, I'm pretty sure that's going to be his role next year is, is sort of what we envisioned for Jeremy Smith this year. Mm-hmm. What do you imagine the Avalanche doing with their backup goaltender situation then? I mean, I don't know. Is that still going to be Varley and Pickard going into <laughs> camp? I, I just I don't see any way to move Varley. And, you know, I don't have a problem with Pickard's play. And I know that sounds idiotic, but. I don't. I don't blame a lot of what's going wrong on him. So, not only um, is this the absolute lowest point of value possible for moving Simeon Varlamov, I would argue that it would be almost impossible to find a taker for Simeon Varlamov right now, because he's playing the worst he's ever played in his career, and he just came off of a season-ending surgery. Like, no one's going to take that risk. Yeah, he's not even for free. It's visibly leaking oil. I mean, you're never going to get any money for that. Yep. I mean, uh, clearly, I don't think you have to expose him in the expansion draft anymore, which is, uh, or I mean, you can, which is either helpful or not. I mean, protect other players now. Yeah. I mean, and then you could, like, I guess you could not qualify Pickard, but that would be kind of silly. And at that point, like... Why would you not want Pickard? Exactly. I mean, sure, he's not performed well at the NHL level this year, but come on. Who Good has? teammate, and I think he's proven himself to be pretty effective in a backup role for a young player, which is almost the opposite of what we just described about Spencer Martin. I think he can play better playing once every two weeks. <laughs> right, this the starter job is not for him at this point in his career. So I mean, like, yeah, there, there's just there's no movement to be had in the NHL goaltending um, next season, barring something truly bizarre. I mean, you're kind of you're kind of hosed. So quit telling us that Duchesne's going to get traded for Marc Andre Fleury. Thanks. How about Varley <laughs> for Marc Andre Fleury? Uh, no takebacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about over the summer. What's Fleury's contract? It's about the same as Varley's. Yeah, duration-wise, too, term. Yeah, it's three years with <laughs> a bunch of money, close to six million. I think. I think. Flurries is slightly less than Varley's. How about the Canadians get beat like nine to one one of these games, and they end up trading Carey Price for like you know pennies on the dollar? <laughs> Patrick Wall round two. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't even remember how we got here. I don't have enough breadcrumbs to get home. <laughs> So do we, when when do we think then I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil the uh, schedule read again? We got New Jersey, Buffalo, Carolina before they're back home against Tampa and L.A. Buffalo, Carolina are back to back games. Do, do you think we'd see Jeremy Smith on this trip? Definitely, you have to the back to back. Pick yeah. your game, start him. I I think it's pretty obvious that. What happened in the third period today was a lot of bad defense, but it's also, I mean, it's just Pickard playing back-to-back. It's just he hasn't done that enough to be ready for it mentally. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and we also saw him like do a, a bad Red O'Bara moment in the first period where he was literally turned around with facing the goal. Like, he had an ass save, though. Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> You've seen ass goal. Skill. An I'm, ass save is, is pretty righteous. Yeah, and then, I'm sitting there going, well, there's horseshoes on this man's ice skates right now. And then the very the next shift. <laughs> It no. wasn't half-assing it. That was a full ass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and as yeah. Mike has told us many times, there's little to no padding on the backside of a goalie. So, um, so he felt that's, all that's, that. Took one for the team. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I would have liked to have seen Jeremy Smith get that start today. I think you definitely saw some fatigue in the third period. Yeah. I just don't know if you have anything to lose at this point. <laughs> you're not trying to win games and you know, you're not trying to wear out or make your players look bad either. So just do exactly. it. Exactly. And and not only that, it's like we we've seen what happens to picks um in that stretch between Christmas and, and the first week of January where he played every, every game. It's just he can't play every game like that. Right. I don't think any goalie can play that much. I mean maybe there's there's maybe three or four in the whole league that can, you know, Schneider, maybe, um, you know, Anderson's playing a hell of a lot, but it, it just, it seems like most guys are not able to play, you know, every game like that. You gotta get that regular rest. Yeah. You know, well, it's just, your I mean, legs just wear out. Well, it's just picks has never been a starter in the NHL. I mean, it's maybe two, three years from now he can, but it's just not something he's capable of right now. Yep, still a young guy. <clears throat> and as we know, and beat into the ground on this show, a goaltender playing a second game in two nights has a significantly worse save percentage in the second game. Yeah. It didn't start off that bad. I mean, <coughs> you know, save percentage was pretty good through two periods. It's that third period when he was completely worn down where it dropped off. But that is... In my opinion, almost directly the result of fatigue. And as the team around him, too. I mean, they, they kind of fell apart as a unit. But that, that's where you need a rested goaltender to save your ass from making saves. See, they're coming to him. Yeah, it's because of that. Yeah. Not take bad veteran penalties and, you know, put the other team on the power play. That helps. Not be apathetic in the crease. <laughs> what would you guys think about that, uh, that first goal they looked? let in where Boschman's just kind of like hanging on to the guy created the world's most perfect screen (laughs) exactly he's like all right I'm all right Nikolai Kuluman you're not screening my goaltender and Kuluman's like I don't need to thanks (laughs) you're perfect (laughs) you know my recap that I just wrote like Pecker never saw that puck and he won't either not until he goes and reviews the film never had a chance (laughs) yeah Uh, and it's just uh Z it was a good shot, I, too. Yeah, it was. You know, on, on one of the goals, Z and, and it was Z and one of the forwards were standing there right next to the guy that that scored, and it just neither of them could tie up his stick. And mm-hmm. you're just like, you know, one guy you can sort of understand, but it just... <laughs> that happened on the, the power play goal, too, where you've got Boschman standing behind the dude that tips it in, just kind of watching, and... McKinnon yeah. in the high slot doing the same. Like one of you, I don't know who to yell at, but one of you, please do something. Yeah, he was just about to point to somebody. I'm sure. 
Yeah, that first Anders League goal was was interesting because you had almost two guys uncovered that were part of the play. You yeah, Dvojcek just skating all by himself on the circle, who you know takes that fake shot, but instead passes to Lee, who's being completely uncovered in the slot. <laughs> so it's like almost that entire side of the ice didn't have a defender preventing yeah. anything from happening. This is something we've seen over and over and over all season long. The, this defensive system that the new coaching staff has put in place works really well until it doesn't. Um, the Rick Nash goal on Saturday comes to mind here where he kind of like walks in off the half wall between a couple of guys who kind of look at him and then the entire Avalanche team goes, oh no, and sucks into Rick Nash who goes, well, all right, and passes it out. Okay, now you've got five-on-one guy who doesn't have the puck. Yeah, mm-hmm. The Avalanche scramble all across the defensive zone while the Rangers just kind of make easy little passing plays and easy goal. Like, And, I, you know, is that a system thing or is that discipline? I mean, it's so hard to tell because it, it, it happens so often. You really, can't, you really can't tell what's going wrong there, whether it's guys. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way that's a system thing. That has to be simultaneous panic from five players. Yeah. Well, four players. It, it doesn't look like discipline. <laughs> you know, it looks like the opposite of discipline. That's it's what chaos. I'm saying. It's a yeah. discipline issue. I mean, right. They just yeah. look like they're just like, they, they just lose it and, and do nothing. <laughs> well, drop their uh, sticks and, and I think, look at the ice. I think we know this because we've seen the system work the way it's supposed to. There are examples of this. Um, one of those examples would be your Montreal game. Yeah. You know, where you hold that team to zero goals, you know, uh, it worked, <laughs> it looked good. You had your best defenders playing well and executing and there weren't mistakes, you know, and the shot totals are just so much lower on average than they were. I mean, the Avalanche are not giving up nearly as many shots, even in these losses. And Steph and I were going back and forth about something that McNabb said last night, that when the avalanches misses and blocks against are lower than the actual shots on goal, they win. (laughs) And it it just, and, and, and he backed up his work. I mean, you know, it was a graphic on the screen and everything. And you're looking at that. You're like, how, how, how does that, how does that affect? I mean, (laughs) <laughs> how did they is that is that shot suppression you know is that what's happening in these cases or, or i mean I, I just can't imagine how that works so was, was he talking about shots for or against against he was saying when oh. the when the avalanche have less misses and blocks than shots on goal against. and this is all loud yeah I thought, oh, see, I thought we were talking about shots four. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds no, like a good conversation, guys. <laughs> That's a good McNabb discussion. You no know? wonder that conversation didn't make any sense. Yeah, no, that, that actually makes a little bit of sense because if the shots are um, not missing wide and the goalie's not getting out of position trying to stop it, and if the shot's not getting blocked, it probably means he can see it. Yeah. So it's almost like a puck retrieval thing. Yeah. Wouldn't it mean if you're not if these pucks are getting diverted wide and you're not coming up with them? I mean, perhaps that's leading to the problem. I I don't know. I can only speculate. There's a lot of problems. clearly no data to back that up. 
the the only thing I could think of was was shot suppression was working, and but but then you know when when there are more shots going on goal than not, as far as attempts, it it just seems odd. But all that all that says is that when that happens, the shots that Calvin is getting on him, he's seeing. Mm. Interesting. But, but why? But why? Yeah, you know, it's just it's, yeah. add another mystery to the season. Yeah, I wish I could uh, keep up with why. this. <laughs> I wish I could keep up with the data a little more, but I think on average the Avalanche are allowing four fewer shots a game, which that doesn't sound like much, but it really, really is. Yeah. I'll have to look that up again. It's been a month, but... I mean, if if you imagine that like 91% of shots are saved, then basically one in 10 goes in. If If you allow four fewer shots a game, then you're allowing what? almost half a goal fewer a game? I mean, that that matters. Yeah, one goal over 12 games, I guess. Especially when you allow three and a half per game. All right. Yeah, the... the, It's just... uh, They've only got, like, one part of it down. (laughs) There's still, like, many more parts to go. And, uh, you know, half their problem, too, is the defensemen they're trying to employ to utilize the strategy aren't necessarily cut out for it. I think Francois Boschman's been bad. Uh, Fetter Tutin was kind of bad today, too, even though he did have pretty nice play to you know create that first goal. He also yeah. had maybe the worst high stick that we've seen short of uh, Mr. Nyquist in a while. Yeah, that's a good veteran, veteran decision. <laughs> I think my but, stick uh, should be where your face is. I'm not actually trying to hit you, very obviously. I just think that's where my stick belongs right now. That Nyquist okay. high stick is special, man. <laughs> yeah, that one's vicious. That one is no, no. Sir. Yeah, he's getting an in-person hearing, so that that's probably not going to go too well for him. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys about was what was different about Winnipeg and Montreal as compared to the last two games in New York. You know, it. it let, let's take it as analyzing the opponents. What's different about the way the opponents played that made the Avs successful against Montreal and Winnipeg and not against the New York teams? Well, um, the New York teams, well, the Islanders made saves. Yeah. That, that matters. Lundqvist kind of yeah. let in a laugher to, to John Mitchell. By definition, yes. Well, and then and then he turned around and and complained about goalie interference, and then I guess they got reviewed or, or whatever. I, I I was trying to watch that game fast and catch up on it. It wasn't interferency enough. It, oh, oh, he got he got whacked across the chest by Jerome McGinley after the puck went by. Yeah. Like it's not interference. I can understand that you would want to say that you got interfered with after letting in that shot by that guy. <laughs> The, the main, the main thing I'm seeing is a difference between the, those four opponents is that Winnipeg is a slow team basically, okay. and the Habs are fairly slow now just because they're not playing well. They weren't playing at a, you know, they're they're in general a pretty quick team, but they just weren't playing quick. Hmm. Whereas the Rangers and the Islanders are, you know, the the Rangers kind of stepped up the speed big time in the third yesterday. 
and the Islanders are a pretty quick team in general. So I, I, I noticed some defensive matchups that I, I think are taking the Avalanche's top lines out of the game. Like the Winnipeg game was at home. I mean, the Avalanche can set their own matchups up if they want. You can get that McKinnon line, you know, isolated when you need to. You can definitely tell when you play a good team like the Rangers, when that line gets out there, you are seeing their best defensemen in <laughs> the most strategically viable position that they can create, you know, in order to suppress that line. It's, uh, it just shows the Avalanche's lack of depth yeah. and how focused you can key in on what is effective for the team because the rest of it is just not effective. And then we could even add Pittsburgh into that mix, too, because um, that was a mm-hmm. home loss. And so are you looking more at a matchup issue or are you looking more at a speed-out match issue or a speed-mismatch issue? And uh, I, I think it's a speed-mismatch issue, issue because it seems like in the last three games, Pittsburgh and the two New York teams, that the the bottom six has been more or less ineffective, whereas they were pretty effective in the Montreal and Winnipeg games. Do you mean the top six when you say bottom six? No, I mean the bottom six. I'm saying like the Aginla line was right. was much better against the Habs in Winnipeg. Okay. And they've played a lot the last two games, but they really haven't done very well. Right, right, right. Okay, because they can't keep up. I see the argument. Yeah. And, and I, I think yeah. you also throw like the Tutin Weirkosh or Tutin whoever, you know, whoever was the, the, the bottom two pairing today Uh, pairings kind of musical they were yeah they were fluid today um but i I just you know i i think that the the more speed the abs come against the the bigger problems they have and it's it goes back to the you know what we've known all is it's you know they're not a fast team and they really struggle against fast teams you know they played well against the sharks even though they didn't win you know, they look decent, and that's mm-hmm. a slow team. Fetter Tootin's most common pairing um, by 5-on-5 five five, time on ice was Tyson Berry. Man, him getting beaten around that left side by, uh, God, who was that? Was that Anders Lee again? No, 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 <laughs> El Shamara at the end, the fifth goal. Yeah. God, that fifth goal was ugly. Oh, my God. He's, what, 50 years old? Who? <laughs> Shimera. <laughs> oh. At least. So, um, yeah, Tyson Berry did play tonight, uh, despite l- any lack of evidence to the co- to the to that, you know. There didn't seem to be much proof that he was playing. Um, but <laughs> but I just I just had that reaction because I opened up Natural Stat Trick, which has started working, by the way, um, to find that number of who Tutin played with the most. And I I knew this had happened tonight against the Islanders, um, but I hadn't seen it graphically. Um, it is a 10-shot swing in favor of the Islanders between the Colborne goal and then the first goal against. Mm-hmm. The, the, Island- right. the Colorado got the next shot, and then the Islanders took the next 11. Yeah. We were talking about this in the pre-show. They, they scored, and then they said, well, we're done here. Well done, everyone. Well, they thought Colburn was going to get another hat trick. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) They said no one else has to do anything tonight. Joe's got it. Yeah, yeah. 
first time in 50 games, he's going to show up and <laughs> dominate the ice. <laughs> I haven't been coughing in like two days. I hate you guys. This is your fault. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was disgusting. And uh, I feel like Colorado are one of the worst teams in the league with the lead. But that's not really true. I went and looked on, uh, on Corsica, and in terms of expected goals against, they sit 11th. Huh. <laughs> well, small sample size? <laughs> a, a little bit of that. They have had the lead the least in the league, which is right. a lot of words that sound almost exactly the same, and I can't believe I got them all out properly. Um, <laughs> and also, goaltending matters. And also, that's five on five, and you're looking at a team that takes a shitload of penalties. Doesn't help. Bad penalties. And sometimes they're earned. Sometimes two well, like just... with a stick. And sometimes... <laughs> While already down a man, While giving him a five down. on three. <laughs> and, and sometimes Jerome McGinley is trying to play defense and, the, and they knock skates together and they both fall down. <laughs> <laughs> he tried. <laughs> it's a good effort. Yeah, or sometimes, you know, you got Tootin who gets beat around the outside like we just talked about and just hooks the crap out of the guy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's already five to one and they scored on it. I, I mean, Tootin takes his—he takes a penalty every game. I mean, he—he he commits a penalty every time he's on the ice, at yeah. least one. Yeah, I don't know how he gets away with so many. Yeah, I mean, it's like you look at him. If you just watch him, just ISO on him for a shift, he's always doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it—you it, know—the fact that he gets away with so much is impressive. But I mean, he gets called for a lot, and that's just tough. Yeah, I mean. The, the penalty kill is a lot better than it was earlier in the year, but still, it just, you know, when you're not very good, you can't, you know, you can't take five penalties a game. You really need to keep it to, like, three. Make those good ones. You know, and let the, the young guys make the mistakes, not the players who've been in the league for ten years. Yeah. I mean, let Z take a mistake for crushing somebody or something fun like that. Or for getting jumped. Yeah. <laughs> Still haven't gotten over that. <laughs> no, still salty. <laughs> Absolutely still salty. I'm probably going to stay salty about that for... Well, when do they play the Jets again? Do they play the Jets again? I was going to say, do we have to? Yes, they do play them again. Not that long from now either, anyway. Hey, Colorado, do not play on the, the day of the tread deadline. So that's a thing. Can focus. Um, so one thing that we have uh, kind of brushed over in our uh, hatred for the avalanche that we obviously have, uh, Miko Rantanen had a hat trick. That was a, that was a cool thing. Yeah, that was a cool thing. Natural one, too. In a game that None I... None of that empty kinda, goal nonsense. I, I kind of missed and went back and watched quite a bit of, but I didn't watch all of it. So, I, what, I think that. <clears throat> go ahead. I, you're probably going to answer my question, which is like, what drove that hat trick, and how do we make it happen again? I mean, shooting. <laughs> he shooted. He he shot the puck that game, and I think that's sort of a demonstration of what you know we're, we're probably going to see into the future with Miko. Um, I, I think the one criticism, other than falling down all over the place uh, with Miko, it has been that he, 
he has a wonderful shot and he doesn't use it enough. <laughs> and when he does, good things happen. So, well, two things are happening. <clears throat> two things are happening. He's falling down less and shooting more. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe they're interrelated. You know, widening. We're really going somewhere. You know? Yeah. My my favorite thing about that hat trick is you, you saw him score kind of on three different kinds of shots. And uh, you could definitely just tell he's got a very multi-dimensional type of game, and I, I'm not even sure he knows what he's capable of yet. So that's kind of contingent on the Avalanche to make him realize that in the coming years. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've seen him score a hat trick in the AHL last year, and so it wasn't his first pro hat trick. No, it wasn't, but. You know, he was able to, and he had he had a couple of, uh, uh, you know, two goal games as well. <clears throat> but you watch him and you see him score in in various ways, like that 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 crazy wrister from the point that looked like it was a total luck shot on Price. I mean, I've seen him score that goal before. I think his first goal in the AHL was just like that, and <clears throat> you know, he knew what he was doing. I mean, that was that was a shot that he knew he could make. Man, it's just it, it's nice to be able to see a young player with a good shot like that from outside, who who generally plays much closer to the net, uh, be able to score on something, you know, sort of out of his comfort range. I would love to see him stick on that line for as long as you possibly can for the rest of the year. I, I want to see him develop that kind of chemistry with those two line mates that. You know he'll need in order to assert himself better shooting the puck. I mean, I I just don't want to see him get thrown around and have to adjust his offensive game to be more of a third liner. You know, I don't want to see him sitting in tough situations. I mean, we suck. You know, focus on growing meat and Miko Rantanen's game. It's important. You know, well, he makes things better. You know, I mean, it's it's not just you know it's it's a symbiotic thing there. I mean, they make each other better. Um, I don't so see them I, like stepping on each other, you know, for shots either yet. Which yeah, you know, I, with the volume that McKinnon shoots at, sometimes you, you know, might be skeptical about <laughs> putting a player like Landeskog. Are you kind of minimizing his shot attempts by putting him on a line with McKinnon? And I don't know if I see that either. I mean, I think we're seeing some growth in McKinnon's game too. He's learning how to play center full-time. Yeah, I think those, those three guys together seem to just shoot a lot, all three of them. Yeah, and honestly, uh, being on a McKinnon line should increase the shots available to a Landis Gogor or a Rantanen because they both should have that north and south style, right, where if McKinnon can ever learn to pass off the pads, then... You should have a ton of extra shots available for like a for like a Landeskog or a Rannan, who's mm-hmm. coming down the other wing. Because they could keep up. I mean, not all the way, but ninety eight percent of the way. <laughs> you know, and they're going to have second opportunities. Just got to shoot lower. Well, I mean, like like we saw the uh, the Landeskog goal against the Rangers. I mean, McKinnon mm-hmm. has has very easily learned where his line mates are going to be. So that if he needs if he needs to pull up, he knows they're going to be at and can be able to find a guy. Right, it's the only trace of like line chemistry on the entire team. 
Smidgen. <laughs> well, if they ever actually gain possession in the offensive zone, the Duchesne line isn't too bad behind the net between Duchesne and Nieto. Yeah, they had a pretty good game today, too. Um, fruitless, of course, because it is the Colorado Avalanche, but... Again, Nieto, I think, is worth keeping on this team going forward. And if Matthew Shane ever had good line mates, I think he'd score a lot more. Go figure. <clears throat> I don't know. I think he's having some problems. I, I think maybe it was that hit on his leg. I, I think that was in the Winnipeg game, maybe. Right. Yeah. Went uh, off and came back. He's been kind of invisible since then to me. Yeah, I think. Uh, and he's he's been noticeably falling down a lot and, and not as fast. So... So, something is, is going on there. But it's Working through a bone bruise. Who's going to play through anything? Yeah. Um, but it, I think that line has struggled the past couple of games since he's not able to drive it as much as possible. You know, I think hmm. Nieto is great at, at being quick and puck retrieval and all that. I think Grego is a total passenger there. Um, that can do some good things, but it, you know... If Duchesne is not at his 100%, it's tough for him to make up for, for Grigorenko not being all that, that, that maybe a second-line winger ought to be. So I, checked, I still don't know who else I'd put there. but Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, that's the problem. Yeah. We don't have any depth. I, I checked, and Duchesne has had zero points this week. Yeah. Zero. Yikes. It's all McKinnon line and then players who probably won't be on the team next year. Yeah, I think I, I think Duchesne had a shot on goal today that might have been his first in several periods. That can't happen. Yeah, that's why that's that's why I'm saying I think there's you know there's something going on there that's not letting Duchesne be himself. So let's slowly wrench ourselves toward a transition here. Um, does it hurt Duchesne's trade value? to play through an injury or would it be worse if he was out with an injury? I don't know. I think that means something different to different general managers. I think there's hockey people out there that value players that can play through injuries because it's a thing that's going to happen throughout the season. Well, that's douche into a T. And he's pretty much a known quantity. Um, you know, this, this isn't something like this is a guy that's, that's, only been in the league for a couple of years and he's really sure what they've got um you know you, you know what you've got with matt duchene he's an all-star he's played with team canada many times um you know I, <clears throat> unless it's something you think that is jeopardizing his future performance i don't think it's a factor yeah, I, I don't know if that's affecting it at all. I, I think there is still going to be some disagreement about his overall value, given that he's not the world's greatest two-way player. And I think that certain kinds of teams might value his skill set more than others, which probably lowers his overall value. But uh, that's where I think the discrepancies are, not you know whether or not I... <laughs> like him playing injured or not. I don't think that's an issue. Yeah, but if you're a team full of righteous defensemen like Carolina, for instance, then it really doesn't matter. True. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I'm still bummed out about that. I want to see it work out. I'm just going to keep repeating myself every week. (laughs) 
Yeah. But we're getting close. I mean, <laughs> we're mere weeks away from the trade deadline. And, you know, the other thing we might consider, too, is there's a chance the Avalanche might not need to trade Duchesne at the deadline. It could happen over the summer. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think this goes away in two and a half weeks. It, it all depends on what the offers are. They can't be good enough right now. They yeah. just can't yeah, be. No or else it would have already happened. I mean, from the things I've heard that have been offered for, for he and Landy, it, you know, the, the fact that they haven't taken those offers means that, you know, the, the price is high. It's not stupid high like they keep saying on TSN, but, um, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're looking, it's, it's more like they're looking for specific things rather than, you know, too much. A specific kind of player. It's a defenseman, but it's a left-handed defenseman or a right-handed, you know, or... And young is important. Young is important. I think that teams are probably underestimating how young the Avalanche want to get with this return. I think they need to be, like, 21. I think even 24, 25 is just way too old for what they're trying to accomplish here. Yeah, I mean, that. You know, you've heard that that there's been an offer for Landeskog that involved Muzzin, and I think Jake Muzzin would, you know, he would be a great addition to the Avalanche. Humongous. I mean, we're big fans of Jake Muzzin, I'm sure, and it's just not the right kind of return. He's 26, he'll be 27 next year, and he's not signed long-term either. Yeah, although he's he's on a really good deal now, so... Mm -hmm. um, well, there's some there's some value in that, but and uh, you know I'm not as to- I'm not as against slightly more older players because I I mean you know you you have to put a team on the ice next year I mean you can't just say like oh let's take the best 18 year old guy we can find mm-hmm. um, yeah I don't think they're looking for an 18 year old either I mean yeah. I think you're looking for a guy that's probably just done with an overage year in junior or you know, a guy that's good in the AHL and needs an opportunity. Uh, you know, like you said, Carolina has those guys. Yeah. Carolina's I'm not seeing a, a lot of other to, matches. Carolina's a fit. BSN has been troubling for weeks now. Oh, they yeah, should. Rightfully it's, so. Yeah, it's just, that's the best. The, that That's the ultimate deal. Because they've got, you know, more than, they've got four guys you, you wouldn't mind having. <clears throat> and that's just guys that are in the NHL right now. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, are you as concerned about getting the futures back in a deal like that when you can get a, a defenseman of uh, Carolina's caliber? I mean, it, I mean de- you, it all depends on who it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, you if you're getting Hannafin back, you don't need the first rounder. No. But it would probably be – I mean, you'd probably want something else. Just because he's he's not that proven. You start the conversation at that high of a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, my ultimate deal would be get Slavin and and Nicola Waugh back for Duchesne. But that's just dreaming. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> that's a video game trade. I mean, if, but if you could get that, do it. Dream <clears throat> on, Earl. Yeah. <laughs> that's but, fine. You know, I mean... I, I think the Avalanche should be asking for the world. Oh, yeah. You're not in a hurry. Duchesne's 
controlled. <laughs> it's not like his contract's up at the end of the year. No. Duchesne's under control, and Duchesne is, like, fantastic. So you should you should be trying to get teams to win your next Stanley Cup for you. Right. Well, but the only thing I'm looking at is there might there might be other teams offering their Matt Duchesne to Carolina for somebody like that this summer. So mm-hmm. if a deal is to be made now, it, it it might be better to do it now rather than in the summer. Well, if hmm. Duchesne is still an Av in the summer, why would you not want him to be an Av in 2017? Well, I do. <clears throat> you want to improve your defense i mean that's you know that that's the whole goal here is is that the defense is inadequate and they need someone that's on the left side to you know complete the the top four but you'd also like to be able to score a goal and <laughs> but you know your hope is, is is if you have a solid top four that first of all your your five and six guys don't matter as much and that the rising tide will lift all boats, and that your your forwards will be a lot more effective. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my position continues to be the the tide that needs to rise is the depth of forwards and Matt Duchesne's line mates. All right, we've all reinforced our positions here. <laughs> is Matt Duchesne Matt Sundin after the break? Right. <laughs> Another thing I think we can agree on at this point is Gabriel Landeskog is going nowhere. Can you Please see that happening? You. AJ said he just bought a house, so yeah, I think. You okay. Know. Right. I mean, that's a thing, but I just I don't see this team being able to part with him for any reason. It's too valuable, even for a, a good defenseman. And no one else on the team has hair like that. It's true. Like the the flow per sixty has to have Landis Cog on this team. I don't know Barbario. Ooh. He's got some good flow. <laughs> Different flow. Different flow. Brandon's trying it out right now. You, you kind of need both the Barbario and the Landis Cog flow. You, you you can't you, yeah. you want both of those. The yeah. dark side and the light side. You gotta exactly. create like equilibrium. Exactly. <laughs> No, yeah. if, if there's yeah. any Sith on our blue line, it's Nikita Zadorov, who's been straight up Odin fools and is one of my three stars this week. Mm-hmm. Take out the third period of tonight's game, yeah. I think the whole team is going to want to do that. Yeah. Yep, exempt. Right uh, out of the scouting reel. Speaking <laughs> of Miko Ranson, uh, give me him for a star this week as well. He, he can Obvious have choice. star number three <laughs> for his hat trick. Because sure. three goals equals position three. Whether that's actually where he belongs or not, it is two parallel. And I'll well, put in need a third star. Barbario for another star just because he's the new guy and, and he's competent. He's fit in Stepped immediately. Right in. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he makes some dumb mistakes and, and everything does. Um, and you see that. But, I mean, you see something you can work with there. And, you know, he's very aware on the ice. He, he's I saw quite a few plays today where he just reached out and barely kept the puck in the zone that would have mm-hmm. gone flying past Bushman for another 2v1. Uh, <laughs> and a goal. <laughs> and a goal. Well, yeah, I mean, small sample size shot data is, you know, not always important. But, you know, 16 shots forced and only eight allowed, five on five tonight. I mean... 
he's been doing that fairly consistently too. I mean, he's you know been in the black and shot totals for each of the games that I've watched him play. Yeah, he's the, doing I mean, that in third pairing minutes, but you know, my only criticism of him is is you know like he's he's like everyone else. He's made a few turnovers in the defensive zone that probably the probably those are are easily attributable to guys not being where he thought they were going to be or where they should have been. Um, you know, but other than that, he's been very solid and he's a, he's a really good skater. Um, you know, like Nieto, he's, he's coming here, he's fast and he's, he's able to get in position, which is unlike many people on the team. (laughs) Very many. Especially when you see uh, Boschman and Tootin on the same pairing for that fifth goal. Yeah. When they both got beat. Both of them. <laughs> By one guy. Yeah, it's, uh, he's kind of a breath of fresh air. Uh, if you get Mark Barberio for free, you've done something right. Yeah. So uh, give us a star for <laughs> an honorary star for the Avalanche for actually picking up another one. Another good waiver wire claim. Yeah, Nieto and Barbario are both uh, big steps up from the Bodnar Chucks of seasons past. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, this is a case where they've got an asset in being the first team to be able to claim someone on waivers, and they've actually used it. Um, Twice. There, there are a lot of little things that I think they've kind of flailed on this year, especially Varley's uh, long-term injury relief they could have used. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, this is one where it seems like they've they've done well, right? If we're talking about macro avalanche organizational things, uh, I think there are some still some positive steps within the front office that we have to acknowledge. Um, these waiver wire pickups are one. Uh, I think not handing out long term contracts to free agents is another. Uh, you know, I think they've been drafting better, and I think they'll be in a position to improve internally you know, in the coming years. And, you know, I, I don't want to see a lot of overreaction. I, you know, I, I think their coaching hire was still the right move. It still looks like it is. I think it needs time, but I think it's still the right move. Timing just sucks, though, eh? I mean, if, it does. if you could have fired Waugh this season, then you would have been able to have guys like, you know, Claude Julien available. Right. Ugh. I mean, that's a raw deal for Julian. I still don't know. I mean, if you've got a, is he the right guy for a rebuilding team? No. Clearly a very good NHL coach. I don't, I, I, I think at his, you know, level of experience that you're, you're kind of looking, you're looking at a team that's close and just needs to get up one more rung on the ladder. Mm-hmm. Or if you're Las Vegas and you need to make a splash and got a bunch of money to spend. See, I don't. I think Vegas I makes see, a lot of sense for him. See, I don't think it does at all because I, I just, I don't see him being interested in building a team like that. You know, that's, yeah. that's he's looking at three to four years of pain. I mean, you know, if you're a coach in the NHL, you're kind of seeing your horizon at three years. You know, where is mm-hmm. this team going to be in three years? And I just, I don't see Vegas being competitive that quickly. Uh, we'll, we'll see on that one. Um, but you got to remember that <clears throat> the uh, Bruins do have to approve um, before you talk to him. So it's going to be a team in the West that is going to get that permission first. Yeah. 
not going to be the Panthers. Not going to be the Islanders. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if uh, Wah had been fired prior to the season, you know, if this type of coaching talent was available, I suppose before the season they wouldn't know that the Avalanche would be this bad. <laughs> it wouldn't be a total rebuild. So maybe it's a possibility. But you know what? I still think I see glimpses of the system working. I see glimpses of, I mean, all the comments that you hear from the players about Bednar seem really positive in a year that they probably shouldn't. <laughs> and, you know, I think you got to give them one more season. Easily. Um, so speaking of the long-term contracts you alluded to a minute ago, are, are we scratching Soderberg again? Gotta. Where is he? <laughs> Nowhere to be found. Who else? We're starting to get a little long here. And we still haven't gotten to the uh, heavyweight bout in the AHL. <laughs> uh, give me Tootin. Today sucked. Maybe it's just fresh on the brain, but he's bad. He was bad last night, too. But he was good lord bad last night. That pairing with Weirkosh... I don't know, Earl tweeted out their uh, shot differential at some point in the second, and it was uh, bad. <laughs> Just a little like, bit. It was like three to one bad. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, I had to get a beer. I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> we've Give us a scratch. Carl and we've scratched Toots. We've, we've t- made no bold statements yet. Well, we can't use Mitchell this week because he scored. It's true. I mean, can we scratch Jelena? I'd love to scratch Jelena for the AHL. We, we can wave Jelena. <laughs> <laughs> wave him on the stars and scratches too, huh? Has he been bad in the AHL yet? Has he been bad? I... He's been god-awful. Really? Oh. Yeah. He... It's it's funny. You'd figure a, a guy that you you wave from the NHL that hasn't played in the AHL in years would immediately become your your top defenseman. And they they his first game he was put with Duncan, and that's usually reserved for you know that's that's where Gertzen or or you know a rookie plays. Um, <laughs> so he basically had to have a minder. His first game. Um, and he's just, you know, he's kind of apathetic down there. He's, he's you know, the, the shot that we all wanted to see. Well, it, it, you know, he's shooting a lot more, and it's going right over the net or 10 feet wide. <laughs> all so, the glass has been intact. Yeah, and it's, you know, th- there's not the same pressure there is at the NHL. So you're just wondering, like, well, you know, maybe they did use him correctly in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> like not that big of a threat, you know. It, it's a, it's a big cannon, but it, it just you don't know where it's going. You uh, know what? I'm willing to give him the scratch. We we still gave what a fourth round draft pick for that, so I, I can keep scratching that. Yeah, even in the AHL. And he, sh- I mean, it's it's tough. I I wouldn't even put him in the top five rampage defensemen this weekend. <laughs> they played three. They played three games, and he was just horrible. Uh, so does that give us more hope for uh, the Rampage defensemen when they're called up to the Avalanche, or <laughs> how does that work? Yeah, I think so. 
Um, you know, it, like where a Sergey Boykov is automatically better than <laughs> Eric Jelena. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's actually a pretty good measuring stick because you're thinking like, oh well, you know, Jelena, he's you know, he's the six seven guy. He doesn't play that much, but you know, that's that's sort of what the the youngsters are shooting for. And you put him next to, you know, you put him next to Duncan or, or Lindholm or Boykov or Bigra, and and you know, they all look better. <laughs> so, all right, better that, than Jelena. That's what we're yeah. aiming for. That's one name on the depth chart that means that they can pass by default. So there you go. Yeah, I mean it's it. It's actually pretty incredible. I mean, I I don't know how much that I can attribute that to him not being all that stoked at being in the AHL because some of it, you know, it sort of reminds me when Ryan Wilson was down there. And he was just like, ah, oh, you know, it's the AHL. I'm down here on a conditioning assignment. You know, screw it. I'll just be Tyson Berry down here and just <laughs> go for it every time I get the puck, you know. And <clears throat> But, I mean, he's playing terrible defense. Um, you know, last night he was, you know, they gave up three goals and he was minus three. I mean, two Yeesh. of those can directly say like yeah that was gel on his fault and one of them he was nearby and, and maybe could have done a better job but you know it's just the defense is just terrible down there and he's he's not he's not generating the offense like you'd like to see with a shot like that so it's no there's a difference between ryan wilson ahl yolo fuck it and yeah. brandon gormley ahl everything is terrible i'm not even gonna bother yeah so I, I, you know, and I'll give him sort of a pass for just like, okay, you know, he flies in on Friday and has to play a game and he hasn't had a practice with him yet. You know, maybe, maybe once they get a couple practices in, he gets a little more motivated and, you know, he starts fitting in better, but you know, it's just rough down there now. He, I just, I, I'm not real happy that he's down there cause it's, I, I can't imagine he's a good influence. But, I mean, again, the only positive is, is he, he makes the other guys that might be called up look better. Hmm. All right. Um, we are on borrowed time here, but I don't think we can not mention the, uh, the title fight. Yep. Who won Rocco, the card? Rocco Grimaldi had his first fight possibly ever in a <laughs> hockey game since he was an NCAA guy. <laughs> Our, our good did he, you told me this in the pre-show, and I you, you say it, and I just laugh again. I can't help yeah. it. <laughs> was he have was he working the body by necessity? Yeah. <laughs> can't, he, can't reach the dude's face. Well, big, well, well, hang big he, jump uppercut. Well, he may not have been fighting John Scott here. Who who was he up against? He was fighting Andrew Agazino, who's only barely taller than him. So, <laughs> and, and yes, that that is our good friend Andrew Agazino of. of Former Lake Erie Monster, San Antonio Rampage, and Colorado Avalanche fame. So uh, Agazino's fighting down a weight class here. I mean, Agazino might be five eight, so <laughs> huh. right. he's he's definitely probably fifteen pounds heavier than Rocco. But yeah, as, as far as height, there might be might be two inches. Um, yeah, Ag, Ags uh, got into it with uh, Felix Girard, the the guy that uh, we traded Cody McLeod for, and he basically put his elbow straight out in front of him and plugged him in the neutral zone at high speed, 
and Rocco grabbed him and just started wailing on him. And, you know, it was a quick fight. Definitely looked like Rocco hadn't fought much, but, you know, it was good sticking up for a teammate there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, he also scored his 20th goal this week, too, didn't he? First time he's done that in the NHL. I don't know if it's the first time he scored 20, but yeah, I mean, you know, that line. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, that, that line that he's on now, it's Gabe Bork, Felix Gerard, and, and Rocco. Uh, they've been extremely effective lately. And I've, I've kind of changed my tune about Felix Gerard. He wasn't much of a scorer in Milwaukee. I think he had eight points coming into uh, San Antonio. And I think that was probably in you know 35 games, something like that. Um, but he is, you know... He is setting up Rocco nicely. I mean, one reason Rocco is is really scoring a lot lately is because of getting placed on that line and, and Gerard and Bork helping him out. You know, it just there's good chemistry on that line. They're very good defensively, and uh, they've got a good finisher. So no, why? It's really nice to see. I'm sorry. I'm looking ahead. What? I'm. I'm I, I was preparing for the next week's schedule read. You'll figure it out in a minute. Well, we have to play Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> You'll figure it out in a minute. Um, and one last thing like- I want to mention about about the Rampage is JT Comfort had his first multi-goal game last night. And if, if you could, anyone can find the gifts uh, of his two goals, and they'll be in the, the San Antonio Rampage feed. They're unbelievable. The first one was just a nice tap pass by Greer just getting into the zone. And Comfort just casually skates through four guys and the goalie and just taps it in. And that was just beautiful to watch. He's finding his stride right now, huh? Yeah. And then the second goal was Greer and Comfort come into the zone. Greer's got the puck. All of the fence comes, you know, barreling past them trying to get into position. Comfer waits for the, all of them to go by and puts it out to Comfer in the slot, and he just unleashes this incredibly quick wrister right over the goalie's glove. Um, Bring them all up. Do it right now. Yeah. So it's, if it, we can it, lose it's, some guys like Como Mitchell again. <clears throat> what? Like forget them on the plane trip or what? <laughs> Home Alone I'm featuring not uh, Avalanche's third line. I'm not saying. Give them some cement <laughs> over shoes. <clears throat> All right, now I have to hear, to hear what I'm supposed to be missing here. Good to hear that those guys are killing it. Um, coming up next week, the Avalanche finish off their five-game road trip, starting in Tuesday in New Jersey against the Devils. That's a six, uh, 5 o'clock mountain start on altitude. And on Thursday at 5.30 mountain, Colorado are in Buffalo playing on NBC Sports Network. Oh. Oh, God, we lost. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that won't be fun to listen to, will it? Then the next night in Carolina, 530 Mountain. That one's on altitude as well. And then finally on Sunday, a game that we will watch? definitely not have watched yet when you hear the next episode, uh, Colorado are back at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It just sucks I can't watch Carolina games because that's who I'd really like to get a look at right now. <laughs> Are you blacked out, I guess? Yeah. That's that's my home team, even yeah. though they're 400 miles away. 
<laughs> the, the altitude viewing network is enormous. Yeah. Like I think I think they're like out in Montana. But if I'll tell you that if if the hurricanes end up moving to Quebec like they should, um, the the predators viewing area will be gigantic because it'll be like Tennessee, Mississippi, or parts of Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and. Uh, in North Carolina and South Carolina. A lot of hockey fans in that part of the world. Oh, it's crawling with them. Just well. <laughs> Atlanta's a hockey town, brother. Atlanta is a wonderful sports town in general. <laughs> I do see a lot of Hurricanes license plates and flags around town. Hey, man, they'll build a new baseball stadium every 20 years. <laughs> Those are good fans. Yeah. So, um, there is one team below Colorado's next three teams in the wild card standings. New Jersey, Buffalo, Carolina are 7-8-9. Before we uh, wrap things up, you want to guess who's number 10? The Islanders. Eh. They passed mm. them already? Ryan, I, you guess? I've got to admit... Man, I'm just not looking at Eastern Conference standings very much right now. I, I kind just, of have a feeling that the Avalanche are last, oh, and I just accept it. I just, pulled it I just pulled it up to see where New Jersey was because I didn't know. The, uh, Did the, the Leafs fall that far already? The wild card standings for the Eastern Conference are one Rangers, two Maple Leafs. Flyers, oh. Islanders, Panthers, Lightning, Devils, Sabres, Hurricanes. Number 10, 56 games, 54 points, Detroit. Red Wings. Oh no. Oh, they're all right. That that's sixteenth though, right? In the conference. In the conference, yeah. Okay. They are. I thought. Seven I thought you meant. Out. Yeah. Like it's close enough. It's within striking distance. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if they had a real team. I don't think it matters, man. That curse is never getting broken. If they went on You're a Columbus to... run, yeah, they're in striking distance. Uh, the ghost of Mark Elitch, you know, uh, propels them to victories. Not this year. Not this year. <laughs> this is the year it ends, friends. Finally, stop hearing about this damn streak. It's a good thing, man. I know too many Red Wings fans in my personal life, and I would have to hear way too much about the Avalanche if they weren't having just as shitty of a year. I know. One of my best friends is from Detroit, so yeah, we commiserate. So, right. can we um, expect if we're if we're going to predict one win out of these next three road games? Which, wait for it, would it be? Buffalo. Buffalo. Um, I think we can agree on that one. You think that the Avalanche are going to win on national TV against Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah. Okay. I think they'll lose the commentary battle. We'll have to hear about the lopsided trade loss over and over again for two hours. But Hopefully that's gotta, I think they can win that game. That's a goddamn hat trick. That's, that's got to be a Doc and Pierre game too, right? Oh, no. Right. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Eastern time zone? I mean, they don't go far yeah. from time zone so that, that's that's got them written all over it edzo too right 
This is no, we need like a. Sidorov needs to get his first NHL goal, and he needs to check Ryan through the boards, all the way through the boards. Yeah. <laughs> That's what needs to happen. That's good motivation, yeah. though. If Z got his first goal in Buffalo, I think he'd be just the happiest Russian ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever seen Alex Ovechkin after he scores any goal? I, I, I would imagine Z would be just. I, I couldn't imagine how happy he would be. I mean, it's <clears throat> he really wants to score. I mean, he's had them taken away. <laughs> he's been close. I'd love to see that, Sully. Yeah. I'd Especially pay good money. A game winner with two minutes left. That'd be nice. Yeah. Boom. You know, I also like their chances against New Jersey, except for their goalie is going to stop everything that the Avalanche put at them. I yeah. think that's going to be one of those, like, one nothing. Two nothing style games. I don't know. They probably should have a chance to win, but won't. And outshoot, yep. outshoot New Jersey forty five to twenty eight, and get dominated on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. And they got Taylor Hall. So I'm calling that. The Avs too. I can see that. <clears throat> Otherwise, I'm back to not being able to predict wins anymore. That's already happened in the span of one week. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, if if you're thinking that. You know, perhaps a, a Carolina trade makes a lot of sense for both sides, which I do. Um, you know, whether they might be waiting for that game to to make their final decisions and, and do it afterwards. Yeah, you think the timing's right? Well, the, the front offices may be saying, what's the rush? We play before the trade deadline. We'll just meet face-to-face during the game. Exactly. I mean, Newendike's been at all the games lately in, in Denver, so. Yeah. There's definitely interest there. Whether it happens, I, I mean, it, let's let's put it this way: it it would be kind of silly to do it before, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's the point? You're in different conferences, yeah. and neither of you are in the playoff hunt. I mean, this isn't Mark Barbario getting claimed off waivers and having to play the Canadians in the second game. I mean, it's like you're you're making a major trade. The last thing you want to do is face that For the guy that was supposed to be your franchise player when you drafted yeah. him. <laughs> so and was for a while. Still and was is. maybe on the eighteenth we see a deal like that. Maybe. Still don't want to, but uh, if we do see a deal like that on the eighteenth, and if uh, Nikita Zadorov does score a natural hat trick against the Sabers on national TV with Pierre Maguire in attendance. You know you can find out here. Thanks for tuning in to the Mahai Hockey Podcast. You can catch every episode on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Podcast or on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash Podcast. Every episode is posted to the site at milehighhockey.com. You can catch us at iTunes or in your favorite RSS feed catcher. You get the latest abs, news, and updates at milehighhockey.com, which you can follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey or on Twitter at milehighhockey. We will probably be recording, I would imagine, either Saturday or Sunday afternoon of next week, so... The lightning game will be after that recording, but otherwise, you can keep your head up into the dirty areas, and we will have all the talk about the last last week, and hopefully start getting into some trade deadline stuff next week. Speaking of fights, the Rocco Grimaldi probably got in his first fight ever. Tonight. Whoa. Really? Let's talk about that. The power of Christ compelled him.
Oh, God. oh shoot! You blew it. <laughs> I did blow it. You guys laugh that hard again if I say it again? (laughs) (laughs) He actually fought Andrew Agazino, of all people.